Everybody say, this is the day the Lord has made. Say, I will rejoice and be made glad. Amen. Some of you today, against your better judgment, you might just be made glad today. I really believe that'll be the case. I believe God wants us to be happy. I was, uh, I did a little wedding uh, yesterday here for some people who uh, uh, asked for our assistance. And the mother of the bride, uh, I was talking with her and she said, I was inviting her to church and just sharing the light of Jesus with her after the wedding. And she said, you know, uh, I was mentioning to my family that even when we were preparing for the wedding, I just felt so good in here. I felt so welcomed. And so I said, well, you know, it's what my mom, my mama used to say. How many of you, it's good when you can quote your mama or your daddy. My mama used to say, you ought to always feel better when you leave church than when you came in. Uh, and so we believe that to be the case today. In fact, I believe there may be some here who are, are, are troubled in your heart. You're troubled in your life. There's issues going on. There's pressures. There's trauma. And as the song we sang a few moments ago, there may be storms in your life. I believe God is the one who can help us walk through the valley of the shadow of death. How many of you know if you're going through trouble, what do you do? Somebody say, keep going. Turn around, tell somebody, you've got to keep going. You've got to keep going. You can't stop. If you stop, where are you? You're stuck in the middle of your trouble or in the middle of your trauma. And so I want to encourage you today, wherever you are in your walk with God, just keep going. Keep moving forward. Keep letting God have his way in your life and keep making a difference in the world. And everybody said amen. And so with that in mind, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew 24, and hold your place there. Today we began a new series uh, that God laid on my heart back when we were in Branson with uh, Jack Hayford and Dr. Shibley. Uh, Pastor Jack Hayford just shared some great truths that I'm going to, some of the things that he said, I'm just building around them. Uh, and uh, you'll hear some of that next week probably. He, he took us to the first chapter of Revelation and it just rocked my world. Uh, and so uh, from that, I, I quickly pinned this thought uh, and then uh, have a number of other things that I'll share later. Doomsday preppers. Any preppers in the house? Any pre- No preppers? You got your survival knife hidden down your leg anywhere? Any, come on, let's be honest. I know there's some pistols in the house. I don't know about survival knife. Uh, you know, there's a, anybody ever watch the doomsday preppers? In, and then there's another one, I don't know if it's still on, where, where they grade you at the end. Is that it? Where, where the, you know, you, you would only survive 27 days, uh, you know, they score you. I'm thinking, if I'm really a doomsday prepper, I don't want anyone to know it. I don't want my whole neighborhood following me to my bug out spot. Come on, you understand what I'm saying. And so, uh, and so with that in mind, really the thought is... We're preparing our life and family for the end of days. Everyone say the end of days. And so with that in mind, I want you to look at Matthew 24. And as you're turning there, I want to make a disclaimer. Here's a disclaimer. It's it's kind of scary when the pastor at the beginning of a series starts making disclaimers. Here's my disclaimer. Uh, I do not have a, a, a depth and a width and a breadth when it comes to eschatology. I'm not an expert in eschatology. Now, some of you are going, I don't even know what that word means, so you're okay by me. 
Eschatology is the study of the end times, basically. And so, and, and let me just say to you uh, uh, that, that I'm not an expert. And what I found out about uh, the, the study of the end times is that it's mysterious. Everyone say it's mysterious. In fact, there are people who believe all kinds of things, good, well-meaning people who believe different things about the end times. I'm not here to figure it all out over the next few weeks, but I'm here to prepare you, help prepare you and your family for the end of days. We need to be ready. Everybody say, you got to be ready. And we're going to see that today as we look in Matthew chapter 24 uh, and just uh, 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 let the Word of God, because you know what, the, the same questions uh, arise that arose then uh, are uh, still all around us today. And here it is, I'm going to read you quite a bit of Matthew 24, and I want you, uh, here, here's what I want you to know about Matthew 24 and 25. Be careful not to take Jesus' words right here, just here, and build a belief system about the end of times. There's, there, he's talking about possibly two or three different events, and he's answering some questions that the disciples ask. And so you've got to, to take these, these words that Jesus is going to say and try to build even a timeline is probably not wise, as we'll see in just a few moments. But Jesus is answering a question. He said in verse, 20, uh, verse 1 of chapter 24, Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came up to show him the buildings of the temple. Now, I've been there. The buildings that are there there now aren't the ones that are there, but uh, it kind of reminds me flashback. Uh, to, to that Temple Mount area. And Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Assuredly, I say to you, no, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now, as he said on the Mount of Olives, uh, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? Now, let me just say, the Temple Mount, you had to walk down through the Kidron Valley to go up the other side to the Mount of Olives. So it, wasn't, it was a little walk. So they walked through the temple. They discussed, uh, uh, he says, these, these buildings will be torn down. Not one stone will be left on another. And then they get to the Mount of Olives, which was Jesus, one of his favorite places. It was his prayer place. It was a place of, of solitude and relaxation. And they get to the Mount of Olives. And by the way, they say some of those olive trees that are there are old as, uh, uh, old enough to have been there when Jesus was there. So that's kind of interesting. Uh, and, it, and they asked him questions. They said, now as he said on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be? Speaking of the destruction of the temple and, and in Jerusalem. Tell us when these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Everyone say, sign of your coming and end of the age. You see, they were concerned about those things as well. You know, when the one you followed tells you all these buildings you see here, the, the comfort you have in this place of, 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 of the Lord's place, it'll all come tumbling down. That would cause you to start asking questions. And so that's what they did. They said, uh, when will these things be? Everyone say when. That's what everybody wants to know. All right. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I'm the Christ and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. 
For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places and all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Now, let me just pause right. It's hard not to comment. How many of you know, just because you hear the word tribulation doesn't mean it's, he's re- referencing the, what we call the great tribulation. We'll talk about that a little bit today. Uh, how many of you know, you ask the church in Pakistan if there's tribulation, what will they say? Ask the, 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 the Coptic Christians in Egypt if there's not tribulation and persecution going on today. Everybody say today. Did you know we're present day's witnesses of end time signs? Because if you look, hey, see, I'm just getting, I'm just all fired up. Revelation 22 talks about those who were beheaded for the cause of Christ. Come on now, we're living in the last days. And Jesus said, they'll deliver you up and kill you. You'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Did you know what the effort of the enemy is? And I'm telling you, it's happened. Did you know Christians aren't the, the, a lot of people don't like us. Did you know that? That, you know, some of them, they kind of, hey, but some just don't like us. All right. It's hate. And then many will be offended and will betray one another and will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. It sounds like the newspaper. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom, now here's some good news in the middle of all that. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the what? Everyone say the end will come. You see, Jesus was talking about the end of days. Then he begins to talk about some some prophetic things that we'll look at uh, briefly. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who's on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who's in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or... On the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation, such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, sake, those days will be shortened. Then if anyone says to you, look here, here's the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I've told you beforehand. Therefore, if you say, therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out, or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For, now catch this. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Interesting. His first coming was very unassuming. Away in a manger. No crib for a bed. But it says he'll come again like a flashing flash of lightning from the east to the west. And then verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, and the sun will be darkened and the moon will give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on, on, clouds, uh, on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Somebody say amen. And he will send his angels with a great sound of the trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to another. 
Verse 32, I'm going to skip verse 32 through 35, may come back to it later. Uh, it's, it's a, I believe, a prophetic insight to Israel, uh, but we'll talk about it later. Look in verse 36. But of that day and hour, no one knows. Everybody say, no one knows. He's talking about when the Lord comes. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man, the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two men will be in the field and one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Everybody say, watch therefore. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore you also be ready. Everybody say, be ready. Tell, tell three people, you better get ready, get ready, get ready. You got to get ready. That's what we're all talking about. That's what this series is about. Therefore, you also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Let me continue. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season? Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he who makes him ruler over all his goods, but, but assuredly, I say to you that he who makes him ruler over all his goods, but if... But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him at an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him and his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And everybody go, whew, and amen. And we could continue in chapter 25 because he continues with this theme and teaching in parables the importance of being ready. Look in verse 10 of chapter 25. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready. Everybody say ready. And then you, the parable of the talents, we'll look at it briefly, but it has to do with being prepared and being ready, preparing our life and our family for the end of days. Now, uh, with that in mind, and gosh, there is so much here. In fact, when I read through that, did that just intrigue you just a little bit? It made you go, I wonder what that means. When's that going to happen? You know, if it didn't, it needed to. And I want to encourage you to go back and read the red some more and begin to say, what was Jesus wanting these disciples to know? He, they asked him some questions. They said, tell us when will these things be? And what, and he answered that. Did you know he answered that? I know the answer to that. I'm not telling you. He said, nobody knows, not even the angels. So when it comes to the when, Jesus said, I'm not going to tell you the answer to that. But I will tell you one thing you, you need to do. Everybody say, be ready. You've got to be ready at all times. And all of those passages, in fact, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins in, from verse 1 of chapter 25 down through 13, and then the parable of the talents, it all has to do with the return of the Lord. And then verse 31 of chapter 25, when the Son of Man comes in His glory. Uh, and, and about the, uh, we'll, how many of you know we'll all stand before Him? Let me just throw this out to you. At the end of, de at the end, of the end of days, we will stand before him. There will be a great white throne judgment for those who have not named the name of Christ. 
And the Bible says at the end of the great white throne judgment, they will be cast into the lake of fire. But then there's the judgment seat of Christ for the believers. And it's really a reward ceremony for the way we lived our life on planet earth. And could I tell you today, we will all stand before him. And if you're a born again believer, you will stand before him at the judgment seat of Christ and be rewarded for the way you lived your life on planet earth. In fact, uh, uh, sometime this year, we're going to go through a series called The Life God Rewards. And I think the subtitle is it why everything you do today matters for all eternity. How many of you know that's true? And so we're living for eternity's sake. Catch that with me. Tell your neighbor, we better get ready. You whisper. We better get ready. And I want to ask you, are you ready? That's an important question to ask yourself and to ask one another and ask your family, are you ready? To stand before God and give an account for the life you lived on planet earth? If you're lost today and you've never given your life to Christ and you've lived life on your terms, could I tell you today, one day, if you don't give your life to Christ, you'll stand before God and ultimately will be cast in the lake of fire. Let me tell you something. Hell wasn't made for you. It was made for the devil and all of his angels. But if you choose to go there, you can go there. But if you choose Jesus, you can go to heaven. And you live your life for all eternity. Now, I want to just say a little overview about what this series is not designed to do. Number one, this series is not designed to scare you, but to prepare you. We should not be fearful. In fact, look in chat. The first thing Jesus said in Matthew 24, when they asked the disciples, uh, the first couple of things, he said this in chapter four and, and, uh, pardon me, chapter 24, verse four, he said, uh, take and Jesus answered and said to them, take heed that no one deceives you for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not what? Somebody say trouble. In other words, Jesus said, hey, listen, in these last days, the church, the last thing they need to be, the last thing you disciples need to be is troubled and fearful in the middle of these days. Could I tell you today, the last days, the end of days is going to be the church's finest hour? I got about five of you. Could I tell you? See, I'll keep after you till I get an amen out of you. Could I tell you that these last days are going to be the church's finest hour? Because I've read the end of the book and I found out there are people from every tribe and nation will be gathered around the throne and that, that it says we overcome the devil by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony. Could I tell you, it's not time to be scared. It's not time to be uh, uh, fearful. It's, it's time to be prepared and faith filled for the days that we live in. Number two, this series is not designed to equip you to survive the end of days, but to thrive in the end of days. Some people think, well, if I can just hang on till Jesus comes. We just hold the fort till Jesus comes and hide out and just, and just, do, you know, hold my breath, hold my nose and, and then hopefully Jesus will come and deliver us out of all this. Could I tell you that the, the church, as I said, the last days is their finest hour and God wants us to thrive and be healthy. In fact, I love what Acts 19 20 says about the church. It says this, that the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. Everyone say the word of God grew mightily and prevailed. That was under intense pressure and resistance. In fact, what was the first thing the church began to experience 
after they began to explode and grow, they experienced religious opposition. And in the face of that religious opposition, the church thrived and the word of God spread and the power of God spread. The word of God grew mightily and prevailed. And contrary to common belief, because some of us are in a little bubble and we look around and maybe, you know, even in this little small world we live in, we tend to go, well, Jesus, where are you? You know, uh, you know did you know God is in, on the move all over the world? Let me just throw, we, we went through some of this when, uh, on the last night of God's Not Dead. And oh, if you weren't able to be with us on the series God's Not Dead, you need to read the book, you need to go through it, you need to get some of that stuff. Here's some just statistics about the growth of Christianity around the world. And it's happening all over the world. In Africa, I love this one. We support the ministries in Africa. In 1900, how long ago was that? 115 years ago? Did I get that right? Okay. Africa, the continent of Africa, was 8% Christian. 8%. 115 years ago. Today, it's almost 50%. Now, I'm telling you, that's massive explosion. I'm telling you, that's gospel kingdom advancement. And, there, and, and when you go, hey, there, he, uh, Rice Brooks said, gather, in Africa, there's gatherings of millions of believers in places like Nigeria and Uganda. Some of the darkest places. The light of God is shining the brightest. In Asia, the largest churches in the world exist in Asia and all in those surrounding regions. In China, where Western missionary activity is basically illegal, Christianity has grown to over 100 million, 100 million believers. South America hosts some of the world's largest churches as well. Massive gatherings of 2 million people in Brazil for simple worship services. In fact, even in the good old U.S. of A, in churches and in places where the gospel is being preached, the kingdom of God is advancing. So God wants us to thrive and not just survive. I believe we need to get that mindset. We need to deal with the fears in our life and say, I'm not going to be afraid of the end of days and I'm going to be equipped for the end of days and I'm going to thrive. My greatest days are yet before me. Everyone say that. My greatest days are yet before me. Look at somebody around you and say, your greatest days are yet before you. God wants us to thrive and make our biggest impact. In fact, let me just say this. Uh, let, me, let me throw one more out. This series is not designed to help you know when, but to know who. Jesus just clearly said, you're not going to know when. Now, he's gonna, he gave us, as we'll see, some signs of the times. In fact, he, he described some things that sounded like today's global newspaper. And he said, when you see these, understand, that's just the beginning of sorrows. But the end is not yet. But here's the key insight about the end of days. And if you want to, hey, if you want to be ready, look at your neighbors. Do you want to be ready? Do you want to be ready? Tell somebody you want to be ready. If you want to be ready, you need to get off the when and get on to the who. It's interesting, and we'll look at this later. Revelation. What's Revelation the study of? The end of times? Well, that's there, but you need to read the first three verses It says this, it's a revelation of Jesus. And when John was in the spirit on the Lord's day, what did he see? The end of days? No, he saw Jesus. I said he saw Jesus. 
Now, the last time John saw Jesus, he was busted, beat up, whooped, bleeding, battered, and scarred. And then he, of course, rose from the dead. And it says this about Jesus. His feet were as burnished bronze. How many of you know you can't put a nail through burnished bronze? Come on, he's the resurrected Christ. And he had a revelation of Jesus. If you, if I could melt it all down. If you want to be ready for the end of days, you need a revelation of Jesus in your life. You need to not just know about him. You've got to know him. In fact, the Bible says this in those last days when we, people stand before him at the uh, judgment seat of Christ, pardon me, at the great white throne judgment. They'll say, this is Matthew 7. They'll say, we di- didn't we do this in your name and that in your name and all these things in your name? And Jesus will say, I'm sorry, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. You see, it's not just what you do. In fact, Scott Kemp said this. I don't know if he said it here. I've heard him three or four times uh, in the last week. Uh, and, and he said this. He, he said, there's a lot of people uh, that do good things. Good people doing good things will still split hell wide open. Good people will go right to hell. Because understand, the Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. And it, you can't be good enough to get to heaven. you got to know who the one is who's going to lead you there. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. Got to get a better amen. And so I, I want you to know this series is not to help you know when and the details and the minutia of the end of days and all the little ins and outs and the ups and downs so you feel like you've got it all figured out. The one thing, listen, when I read those two chapters right there, it's almost like Jesus was keeping it mysterious so we could never put all the pieces exactly together where we could sit back on our blessed assurance and just wait for his return. Are you with me? But let me tell you what this series is about. I've already... This series is designed to equip and empower and prepare you for maximum impact in the last days. Everyone say maximum impact. I'm not talking about mediocre Christianity. I mean, how many of you, when you grow up, you want to just be mediocre at everything you do? We get our kids together. I'm being a little facetious. And we gather them together and we give them the vision talk. Now, when you grow up, I want you to be mediocre just like your daddy. I want you to be mediocre. Hey, whatever you're going to be, just be the mediocre one. No, we want them to do their best. And could I tell you today that God's looking us as the church and his expectations are very high. He believes in you. He wants you to do your best. And we've got to be empowered and equipped. My goodness gracious. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. He declared it over them. He said, you're going to take this world for the glory of God. Now all you mediocre Christians just say, well, I'm just mediocre in my... We don't want to be mediocre. That's what we're here to do. And I believe God wants us to make a difference, not just a dip. When I get to heaven, and when I stand before Him, and I will, and if you name the name of Christ, you're going to stand before Him. I want to hear Him say to me, well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over what I've given you. Come on in. I'm going to give you much. Amen. And so over the next few weeks, I encourage you to be here week after week. And then for the next three weeks on Wednesday night, I'm going to be building on some of the things that I say today. We're going to look in more detail and maybe uh, uh, answer some questions that you may have on Wednesday night. And so Sunday morning and Wednesday night, we're going to be digging in and learning and growing spiritually and learning how to stand strong, be equipped and prepared for the end of days. Amen. In fact, let me show you verse 24, chapter 24, verse 14, once again. Look what, look at the, look at what he says will happen before the end. Now, this is what I call maximum impact. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached. Everyone say, will be preached. Will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. How many of you want to hasten the return of the Lord Jesus Christ? Get out and preach the gospel. Amen? And so, everyone say maximum impact. I don't, hey, I don't want to fade out. I want to, I want to burn bright for God until He calls me home or Jesus comes back. Amen? In fact, we got to be busy. And we'll close today with a thought that goes along like, with that. With that in mind today, uh, let me just kind of tell you where we are in this world. According to Scripture, we are living in the last days already. You see, we, in fact, if you remember Matthew 24, he described present day America and all, all around the world. Wars, rumors of wars, deception, love of many, grow cold. It's just like we're, we're there. He said, oh, that's just that, that. That's just the beginning. Okay? And so we're, we're experiencing what he, he began to describe to his inquisitive disciples about the sign of his coming and the end of the age. He said, here's what you'll begin to see. And so we're already there. Look at your neighbor and say, we're already there. We really are. In fact... I'm just going to mention this, Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9 is Daniel. You remember Jesus referenced Daniel in his prophecy about the, uh, des- uh, the abomination, uh, desolation, abomination, whatever it is. He and, and basically talked about the great tribulation a little bit. I'm going to, we, we'll probably look at this on Wednesday night in a little more detail. Daniel's prophetic time clock in not, Daniel 9, you don't need to turn there. He's very specific. He talks about 70 weeks, which are 70 sets of 70. Most theologians believe he's taught. In fact, it works out perfectly that there, there was a prophetic time clock and, and the beginning of it was at a certain time. And then Jesus came along uh, and, and here's, here's the way it was. There was, uh, I don't know what, 490 minus 7. Somebody tell me that. What? 493, 4. Okay. Prophetically, and this proves out when you look at what the prophecy says, the prophetic time clock has stopped at that point. And it's, there's, what remains in the prophetic time clock is seven years of tribulation. Anyone ever heard of the great tribulation? Everybody go, ooh. 
And when you study this out, you will determine that when Jesus showed up, at some point, it's like God stopped the clock. And the age of the church came into being. And it's an undetermined. That's why, that's why Jesus said, nobody knows. Everybody say, nobody knows. So, so God's got his hand on the prophetic clock stopped so the gospel can be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And nobody knows. Everybody say, nobody knows. Okay? And so we're living in the age of grace where God is doing, having his will and his plan for all the ages as to win people to Christ. For by grace you're saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. We're living on borrowed time. But at some point, God will open his hand again. And then the clock will begin to tick in the seven years tribulation. And, oh man, there's a lot of things going on. But, uh, hey, we are already, we are living in that time. Which, according to, uh, gosh, uh, Acts chapter 2, verse 17, when Peter gets up and preaches on Pentecost, he quotes Joel about the last days. Everyone say, last days. He says, you know what Joel said? In the, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Basically, he said, what you see today is what Joel was talking about. In other words, we understand that the age of grace that I just talked to you about, the birthing of the church was the, the beginning, if you will, of the last days. Everybody say, we're already there. And so when we talk about being preparing our life and family for the end of days, you need to understand something. We better be busy about that because we are already there. Tell somebody else, we're already there. We're living prophetically in the end of days. In fact, First uh, John chapter 2, verse 18, uh, John said this, Little children, it is the last hour. He didn't go days, he went into hours. And you say, well, they've been saying that for centuries. How many of you know the Scripture teaches with God, time is irrelevant? A day with the Lord is what? Is a thousand years? A thousand years is a what? Day. So when you start hearing these things and reading these things that are over 2,000 years old, you go, well, hey, man, it's been over 2,000 years. That's irrelevant in the mind of God. For the one who has always been and always will be, time is irrelevant in the way we think of time. He always has been. And he always will be. So what's a thousand years or two to God? It's nothing. A thousand years is a day and, and, and vice versa. So you need to understand something. We are living in these last days. And we must be ready. We must be busy about the Father's business. And so this morning, very simply, in the next few moments, I just want to, I, what I'm doing is just hopefully igniting something on the inside of you today and giving you some bullet points. And from Matthew 24, I want to show you, we read it through, uh, but I want to show you some bullet points of importance that Jesus was very clearly telling his disciples when they asked this question. They said, what were the questions? Tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? He gave them, I've got five here. Uh, there could be more, uh, but I'm going to give you the five biggies that I see. Just some bullet points of importance. Some things to prepare for. Some important end of days bullet points. And the first one is this out of Matthew chapter 24. And he hits this pretty regular and we see it throughout scripture. It's this. The importance of deception protection. Everyone say deception protection. 
Now let me show you this, verse 4. The first thing he says, when they ask the question, the first thing, everybody say, how many of you know some of the first things and the last things are some of the most important things? Now all of what Jesus said here is important, but the first thing he said, when they asked these questions, he said this, take heed that no one what? Did you know one of the signs of the end of days is a massive deception throughout the world? And OMG, there's deception everywhere. And I, I, I hesitate, I, I just, I could, I could name a bunch, but you, I think you know it. It's, it's false doctrine, it's false teaching. In fact, look, th- look here, even in these words in Matthew 24, uh, look in verse 11. Look what he says. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Let me just throw this out. Did you know Mohammed is still dead? They call him the prophet Mohammed. I, I seriously doubt his prophetic anointing, but he's still dead. Did you know Buddha's still dead? Jesus is no longer dead. And he came out of the grave. We're about to experience Resurrection Sunday. Whew, everybody go hallelujah. As the Lord of lords and King of kings. He went into the grave, the sacrificial lamb. He came out as the chief shepherd over all the sheep. He went in with bloodied hands and feet and face. He came out with feet like burnished bronze. Amen. And he said this, deception will abound in the last days. And it has. Look in verse 24. He says it again. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive. If possible, even the very elect. I'm telling you, we're talking about spiritual, a bombardment of spiritual deception. Can I tell you today that one thing, if you want to pull one thing out of that little fault today, we need to get our nose in the book, my friend. If it's in the book, you can bank on it. If it's not in the book, you better step away from it. You better know what thus saith the Lord in your life. Don't create your own good, feel-good gospel. Get into the Bible and understand what the Bible says and build your life on the foundation of the Word of God for Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 7, if you build your life on the rock, Christ Jesus, and upon the word of God, when the storms come, you will stand strong. But if you build your life on the sand and the storms and the waves hit your life, you will be destroyed. You've got to have deception protection in your life. Oh, I could say more, but I'll move on. The second thing he he gave to his disciples when they asked him those important end of days questions. Not only did he tell them of the importance of deception protection, but he, he told them the importance and the priority of trouble training. I'll just say it that way. Everybody say trouble training. What to do in times of trouble. Let me just tell you, Jesus made some promises. How many of you appreciate the promises of God? He said this, I love this promise, it's, it's so very true. In John chapter 16, verse 33, he said, in the world you will have tribulation. That's a promise. But be of good cheer, he said, I've, over, I've already overcome the world. So we've got to have trouble training. I said it a few moments ago, verse 6. What did he say? See that you are not troubled. That word see means to have insight and understand and discernment about what's going on in the world. And don't be troubled. Refuse to be troubled. Could I tell you in the world, I've preached this, uh, uh, and a lot I start to say all over the world, uh, that is this. Trouble is not optional. Everyone say trouble is not optional. 
for the church in the last days and really for the church throughout all of her days since it began right after Pentecost. And it's still going on today. Ask the church in Pakistan. Ask the Coptic Christians in Egypt. And on and on and on and on and on. Trouble's not optional. Everybody say it again. Trouble's not optional. Here's the being troubled is. Everybody say trouble's not optional. Being troubled is. If you let end times trouble you, that's your choice. But one of the biggies that Jesus said to us as his disciples and followers, hey, you trust me. You get a revelation of me. Don't let these things that you see trouble you. This is just going to happen. I see it all the time. People go, whoo. Some of you get troubled over gas prices. Come on now. You act like you act like the whole world's falling out. You know, oh, it's going back up. Oh, God. And then you start seeing, and you get worried. You look on the news, and you see the trouble going on around the world, and, and you have fear grip your heart. Could I tell you, that's not where we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be men and women of faith. As I said earlier, this should be our finest hour. Don't be surprised when, when this world goes to hell in a handbasket. Come on, that's just the way it happens. But when the darkness gets darker, my Bible tells me the church and the light of God gets brighter and brighter until that perfect day. We've got to have trouble training. And so, when you're going through trouble today, let it be a training ground for your tomorrow. Believe me, you're going to need it. Let me just throw this out. How many of you got, and I'm not demeaning your trouble, but how many of you know, in, in light of Pakistan last week and those Coptic Christians, is anybody really going through trouble? Oh, yeah. I broke a nail. I had a flat. Daggum tires are wore out already. Oh, Lord, what on earth are we going to do? Come on. I'm proud to live where I live. And, you know, just to be honest, I'm glad I'm not in Pakistan today. I'm glad I'm not over in the middle of all that. I, I'm not a glutton for punishment. I don't like people beating me and threatening me. But hey, if it comes to me, we've got to be, we've got to have trouble training. We've got to be ready to stand up for Jesus Christ. No backing down, full of faith. Come on now, that's what we need today. I got one, come on. I said that's what we need today. A church full of faith in the middle of adversity. And so where are you today? Hey, in fact, the Bible says that when you go through trouble and trauma in your life, it's just a test to prepare you for the big test. And so all the things we're going through today, they are things that will prepare us for tomorrow. Let me just say, if you're flunking the test today, you better be concerned about tomorrow. Amen. He said, don't be troubled. Number three, the importance Jesus told his disciples when he asked these important questions about his coming and about the end of the age. He said, not only do you need a deception protection and trouble training, but you need an understanding of the times. It needs to awaken in you where we are in the history of the ages. And to realize that really, we have no confidence in tomorrow, but we 
have great confidence in today when we walk by faith and not by sight. In fact, he began to give them the understanding of the times. I read it already. You'll hear of wars. Verse 6, rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation. Kingdom against kingdom. Famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. They'll deliver you up. Come on now. He's just saying, this is what's going to be going on. And as I said earlier, we're already there. Wake up, church. We're living in the last day. That needs to come upon us today. We look at our life and we try to plan our world and we should. We try to better ourselves and we should. We should try to, you know, uh, 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 send our kids to school. We should. They should get a good education. All those things. We keep living life. But understand, we got to know we're living life in the middle of the last days. And everything we do needs to revolve around the reality that the time is short and Jesus is coming again. That's what he was trying to tell his disciples. In fact, I love 1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. It talks about the sons of Issachar. And it says they had understanding of the times to know what the sons of Israel should do. We need sons and daughters of Issachar who have a spiritual sensitivity and insight to the days that we're living in. And who can stand in faith and know the will of God for their life and the will of God for their families and not be staring off into the distance and wondering, which way do I go? Which way do I go? What am I going to do? Come on, church. It's time we quit dabbling around in this simplistic mindset of ours and begin to get an eternal perspective and realize we're living in the last days and we've got to make our maximum impact before Jesus comes again. There are people on their way to a devil's hell today. They live next door. We work with them. We go to school with them. Some of us are married to them. My wife's saved. You say, baby? She's saved. We've got to have an understanding of the times. And then number four, Jesus, two or three times, he wanted them to understand the importance of this. Got to be rapture ready. Some of you may not believe in the rapture. I happen to. I, I, I believe that. Personally, I'm not going to try to convince you other. Well, I might later, but who knows? I believe Jesus described that. But by and large, what he's saying, when you look in verse 29 and all throughout, in fact, look in verse 29, he said this. He said, immediately after the tribute, verse 30, the Son of Man, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven. Then the tribes of the earth will mourn. They'll see. The Son of Man coming on the clouds of, in clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And then chapter uh, 24, verse 36, it says, One will be, two will be plowing, one will be taken, the other left. Everybody say, one taken, the other left. Everybody say, taken. Listen, in my, and it says, they'll be, people must be doing what they always did. It's in the days of Noah. Que sirrah, sirrah. Woo-hoo. Checking Facebook. Oh, glory to God. We're going, we're going out to eat. Ooh, Papa Do's tonight. We're having fun. Oh, we got fun on exams. We got life going on. We're going fishing. It's hunting season, spring break. Boom! He's there. The church... We got to be ready for that. This could be the dawning of that grand and glorious day. 
when the face of Jesus I behold. In fact, and, and, and even the disciples, the big question has always been when? He's, he answered that. Nobody knows but God. You, know, you shouldn't even try to figure out when. You can know we're close. In fact, did you know we're closer than we've ever been before? We're in the age of grace. The prophetic time clock has stopped. So who knows how long it'll be before he said, oh, there it is. Everybody go, oh, there it is. Oh, there it is. Boom. And there we are. We better be ready for the return of Jesus Christ. And whatever excuse you try to give and try to talk your way into glory, it won't happen. He'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. In fact, he spends the majority of this passage, these two chapters, defining and describing the importance of being ready. And one thing we see throughout these passages and others, here's one thing you do know. There's some things we don't know, but there's some things we do know. Most people get all worked up over what they don't know. If you'll just get hung up on what you do know and let what you do know affect your future, it, it, all those things you don't know will begin to work out. Here's one thing we do know. Jesus is coming again. I know that. The disciples knew that. They asked him, tell us about when you're coming again. Some people believe one more time. Some people believe two more times. But wherever you land, if he's going to come in rapturous, then come back at the end of the tribulation. That, uh, that's kind of where I sit. But if you believe we're going to go all the way through the tribulation, and then he's going to come back once, it doesn't matter what you do need to know, what we do realize, and what he does let us know, he is coming again. We got to be ready. Everybody say, be ready. And that's what he's tried to get across to his disciples. And then finally, as I close, it's right up noon. He told them the importance of faithful service. I'm going to hit this lightly because it's, this deserves more than just this bare mention. But Matthew 24, verse 45 and 51, he talks about the faithful servant and the evil servant. The evil servant thinks his master's not coming back and he's evil. I've heard people say this, well, I'm going to sow my wild oats. And then I'll, when, when, when I get, you know, when I get married and have kids and I'll settle down. Listen, that's about the stupidest thing anybody could ever do. We've got to realize we've got to be faithful servants. Being busy about the Father's business. And then when you look in Matthew 25, those two parables, those two stories, the, the, the parable of the wise and the foolish virgins and the parable of the talents, he's talking about faithful service. He says, you better be busy about the Father's business. And if you're just sitting around with a lackadaisical mediocre mindset about this world and about eternity you're going to be you're going to be shocked and, and when when you realize that you're standing before God and we're standing before God and and we we were unfaithful with what he put in our hands we've got to live our lives with the reality that Jesus is coming again and we've got to be busy about the father's business sharing the gospel of Jesus with the whole world with your world, my world, our world we're living in the last day it's not the time for gas masks and 
food rations. It's time for Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, Bible-believing Christians who stand up and boldly proclaim to their friends and family, Jesus is the way. People are lost. We stopped in Lufkin on the way home or Jacksonville on the way home to get a quick bite to eat. It wasn't quick. But our waiter named Stephen, he was lost. He wanted to talk. He he didn't realize who he was talking to. He's lost. Needed a Savior. There are people all over the world who are on their way to hell in a hurry. But let me tell you what's happening. There is a faithful remnant who are standing in the gap for us today, challenging us to be everything God wants us to be. What's this series all about? It's about Fulfilling God's kingdom purpose in the earth. The hour and the age we're living in. We are living in the last day. Let's stand together today. As we close this service, I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes and I don't want to assume one thing today. I could assume that everybody here is on their way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas. I would probably be wrong. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you've never given your life to Christ and you know you're, you're not His child and you're lost, you realize that and you're here today because you're trying to scratch your way to a place that you've never experienced before and something on the inside of you is, is, is saying, I am lost. I'm not prepared to meet Jesus. I am fearful of my future. I don't want to go to hell. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and I just read your mail today, and you realize today, I'm lost, Pastor Sam, but I want to know Him. I want to have a revelation of Jesus. I want to face my future and face the end of days with great faith and peace in my heart. If that's you today, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want you to look up at me and raise your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to know for certain that Jesus Christ lives in my heart. I want to get this right. I want to be ready for the end of days. Anyone here, just lift it up and wave it at me. I'm going to pray for you. God bless you, sir. I see that hand. Anyone else, just lift your hand and wave it at me and say, that's me, Pastor. I just don't know. I, I Maybe so, maybe not. I'm not sure I got it all figured out. If that's you, lift your hand and wave it at me. Anyone else? Finally, if you're here today and you know you've asked Christ into your heart, but you've been living on your time and not God's time. You've been living like every day's a party and every day's all about you and you realize it's not today. If that's you, just lift your hand and say, that's me. I just today want to make a commitment to live the, last, the latter days, my final days in the plan and purpose of God for my life. I want to begin to serve Him like never before. I want to spend my last days on planet earth serving the Lord with great faithfulness. If that's you, lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I'm turning the tide today. I'm turning towards Him and His plan for my life. Amen. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you lifted your hand this morning, and some of you did, 
If you lifted your hand with a certainty and you'd say, Pastor, I just need to know that He lives in my heart. This is your opportunity right now. In just a moment, all of us are going to pray this prayer. We're going to pray together. And if you lifted your hand, you pray out loud with us. From the bottom of your heart, you pray to God. And, and understand something. This is not something emotional. It's something of a decision in your life. You might be emotional, but that's not the sign of whether or not you're saved or not. Let's all pray together with these that lifted their hand today. I want everyone to pray out loud with me. Say, thank you, Lord Jesus, that you died on the cross for me, that you paid a great price for my sin. You gave your life for mine. You took my place. I thank you for that today. I thank you that your shed blood is washing me white as snow. I thank you that you rose again so I could have a new life as well. Today I give you my life. I yield myself to you to be the Lord and the leader of my life. I put my trust in you, Jesus. And I invite you into my life. From this moment forward, I'll endeavor to serve you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, if you lifted your hand, listen, after this service is over, I want you to do something. And instead of going that way, I'm going to ask you to come this way.